This is Space Waffles, a Star Wars podcast. Welcome to Space Waffles. I'm your host, Arzu, and with me today is fellow waffle and High Republic enthusiast, Hope. Hello! So we are here today, as the title of this episode suggests, to cry. Um, I was just thinking, like, you sound so well put together for this intro. I really Like, holding in all the emotions. I have had a lot of practice. Um, December 2019 made me a much stronger woman. (laughs) I can put on a brave face. But, um, no, this book truly, truly is not even remotely comparable to what I was going through back then. But, um... Not even a little bit, but we are here to talk The Fallen Star. Full disclosure off the top, it is going to be all spoilers all the time. If you have not read The Fallen Star, please go do so and then come back and cry with us or not, as the case may be. I'm not here to dictate your preferences. So, all right. So, Hope, initial reactions on this book. Um, I actually really like this book. Um, I will say I'm very biased to Claudia. I just really enjoy her as a writer. I, I think she just gets the force at a different level. She's always so good at balancing like characters and and story. Like the thing that really stuck out to me about this book versus um, say Rising Storm, which I struggled with. Mm-hmm. I did not have a good time reading Rising Storm. And I think so much of it is Rising Storm was just so relentless. But Claudia really focused on the little victories. Um, And so, like, while bad things were happening, there were still, like, just, like, little victories to kind of spread it out. And Elzar can only ride so many dragons in Rising Storm (laughs) to, like, break up that book for me. Um, So I I actually really, really liked this book, even though it freaking destroyed me. I was destroyed, DM. It's interesting you say that you found the Rising Storm relentless because I found this relentless in a different way. Like the Rising Storm is a lot of big action because there's that attack on the Republic Fair. And once that attack starts, you're right. It does not stop from there till the end of the book. And it's just go, go, go. And then they go to the Nile base. And then that's still go, go, go. And then RIP load and Great Storm. Like it's a lot. But... I think what I found relentless about this book, like emotionally relentless, is there is this sense of tension that kicks off very, very early. And I can't think of a way to describe it except like my nerve endings were on fire, like with nervousness. And that didn't stop. And it like it was, it started very early. It was the Jaws theme straight through. Yeah, it it was. And I, I know she did this interview with um, Sci-Fi, which I will link in the show notes, um, where she does compare this to not Jaws necessarily, but things like the Poseidon Adventure and like older disaster movies where mm-hmm. the disaster isn't the point of the book or the movie, the how the people deal with it is the point of it. And I think I think that I can see where she was coming from, because we all knew going into this that the Starlight Beacon is going down and there's no stopping it. but putting like the whole book focuses so much on that disaster that it I think the intention was to make it like this character study of the people trapped in the lower half of the station Mm. trying to save themselves because the top half is going to be addressed in the comics which as of record time are still not finished so that's coming soon but yeah that's why I found it so relentless is it was like non-stop disaster I think for me um I I should say that like 
Rising Storm also just hit some personal preferences I just don't enjoy. Yeah. And and that really dictated how I read the book. Like like crowd crushes are my like phobia way to die. <laughs> like I right. I'm scared of that. Um I see like a little thing on the news and I start sweating. Um so like, it was just a lot of personal preference stuff too. And I like the focus on the characters. Um I'm I'm always a character over story person. Mm-hmm. Um and I feel like the characters were so good in this. Man, if you love this book, like, not loving the Vessel Crew, you're dead to me. <laughs> this was their book. Like, the Vessel Crew shined. They were, like, the MVPs. They kept their stuff together so the Jedi could do their stuff. And, oh, oh my boy Leox uh, just scared me so much at the end when he went shooting out the thing and he had a freaking Breath of the Wild down. And I was just, oh, oh the whole thing just was... I was most scared for them, actually. The moment that I saw them show up in the book, I was like, oh, no. Because I think I think we said on the, I, I, maybe the Master Padawan episode that we did together. I can't remember if I said it with your Gold Squadron gaze. But uh, as long as Leox didn't show up, I would always know he was safe as much as I would miss him. And he, he showed said up it to this, me. That I, yeah, and, he, and he showed up and I was like, no. <laughs> no. Now I'm scared for you. Oh, no. I think it's interesting you bring up the Vessel Crew, and I'm glad you did, because that goes into one of my, I guess, questions going into the book. Because you and I keep up fairly, like, keep fairly on top of of everything, of the YA books, of the comics, as much as we can. Um, But, you know, we do have a lot of friends who maybe haven't read the YA stuff or haven't read the comics, and it makes me wonder... I guess this is like a bigger, deeper point about about this book, but I guess we can get into it right (gasps) now. I get to talk about my Kingdom Hearts thing? You can, but like this gets into that that point of like sort of them marketing each age bracket trilogy as its own trilogy. And I can see that somewhat with the YA stuff that's been out so far, but I think with this, it feels less like a sequel directly to The Rising Storm than it does like the capstone of The Wave as a whole. That's the thing, right? Yeah, the end stone, whatever you put at the end. I'm not an architect. Um, it feels like the the end of the wave as a whole. It doesn't feel like the end of just that trilogy. And I know we have one more book still coming and one book that's currently available digitally and not in hard copy, or hard copy but anyway. So that's my thought. Like, what, what do you think of this idea of them? Like, so much of everything else has been pulled into this book beyond Light of the Jedi and Rising Storm. And I wondered if you think, because you can't obviously say this objectively because you have read everything else, whether you think that would impact somebody's enjoyment of this book or not. Like, does Did that make any sense? A little bit. I'm, 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 <laughs> a little bit. Do you I'm mean, trying like, to, clearly um, I'm still confused. I'm trying to puzzle this out on my own. Do you mean like if someone hadn't read anything, would it affect yeah. the reading of this? If they hadn't read anything but the adult books. I, I actually did think about that. Um, this was the first time I I thought that while reading this book um and i actually i wrote about it over on the geeky waffle about um and i called it the the kingdom hearts problem mm-hmm. um but to, to answer your initial question um i i think it just depends on the person because i've talked to a few people about the this book and like how whether or not you've read everything how it affects their reading and some people are like 
it was fine. And some people were like, no, I was really confused about what all this other stuff is. So I think some of it does depend on the reader. Um, I do think it affects the writing of the book because there's a couple times, mostly with Avar, where it's very clear that they're shielding the comic book characters from this book because Avar would be like, and then Maru and the others went down. And I'm like, it's probably like Skier or something. Right? And like, it feels like they were trying to affect, like hide the other characters, like Emmerich and Sion. Sion? 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 What's her name? Yeah. I've only read the first one. Um, I'm so far behind. Um, and then it looks like that Torben, Buck, and Court might be on there too. So it feels like they're very much trying to shield the other characters, especially at the end, because when they're fixing the aqueduct or something like that, Elzar is like, I'm here with Avar and Bell and the other Jedi. <laughs> I'm like, that is one of the things claudia mentioned in that sci-fi interview was her and cavin sort of splitting like they literally split the station in half so that cavin can finish telling his story and claudia can tell this one so that was like a very deliberate choice and to to me then i kind of wish then this feels like a finale this Mm -hmm. feels like a finale and it's kind of and I'm, i'm saying this as someone who has not read Midnight Horizon. I don't, I, you know, all the comics. Like, you know, we still have like another like month and a half of content still to come. Yeah, so I'm saying like this with somebody. Midnight Horizon and maybe four or five more comics plus a manga. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's there's still like a about a nice handful of stuff still to come. Um, and it just feels kind of weird because this feels like such a statement piece of mm-hmm. this is the last word. This is the finale. But there's still, like, all these, like, other, like, Daniel Mom's, like, little threads, like, out there just still kind of dangling. And it makes me wonder if those are even going to live up to this. Are those going to be, like, as good as this? Are they going to be their own statement pieces? How is that going to work? I'm going to cry if Skier throws Keeve into a a escape pod and, like, she has to, like, be shot away from him as he's just like, I love you, my child, and I'm just going to cry. Um, the thought that Skier and Orla are on the same station and going to die and not knowing the other one is there makes me cry. Um, but, yeah, like, it just, it feels weird that this is not the final word. And I know it goes into the whole thing, like, everything is important, but, I mean... The last issue of the High Republic Adventures comics is not going to be as important as The Fallen Star. I'm sorry. That's not how it works to the fans who are consuming this. Yeah, I I agree in that I thought that this would be the grand finale. Yeah. And I feel like in, in scope, it certainly feels that way. Um, Like that's what they were going for. Um, As somebody who has read Midnight Horizon but will not be spoiling it now i'm so jealous i can't wait it's so close and so far away i'm just all i'm gonna say is i'm that one feels like a fitting book finale because if this had been the last word on these characters until like because you know as a reminder when we go into phase two phase two is 150 years prior to this so we're not seeing these characters again for a couple years and There's i so many mixed out. feelings about that so many mixed feelings I, I pointed this out in one of my reviews it's either in my deep dive or on the geeky waffle but two years away from your characters is not that strange in movie language like we saw that with the sequel trilogy like we went 2015 force awakens 2017 the last jedi it was two years before we saw them again it's not that weird but 
if the if phase two is the same length as phase one, we're getting nine books between now and then, like for phase two. So before we see these characters again, we've got at least nine books. And with three new authors, four new authors, four new authors joining the Luminous crew, it it's probably going to be more than nine. It's going to be quite a chunk of story before we get back to this. So I'm glad. I, I want to say for the record, I didn't dislike The Fallen Star. Not at all, but I am glad this is not the note we're going out on. Okay. It was so heavy. And I think it felt the pressure of trying to be a finale so hard that it fell short in ways that I would not have expected Claudia Gray to fall short. Do you know what I mean? I can see that. I can see that, yeah. Like, okay, so what I... I, I don't really agree, but I see your point. Yeah. Like, yeah. what, I, what I specifically want to talk about is the character stuff like i'm like you i am character over plot give me give me people talking about their feelings for 300 pages without ever once getting into a fight like this is very much my jam even in star wars i might be in the wrong franchise for that but so i i I, as we get into characters i just want to share a cute little anecdote um so artsy finished the book before i did um because i the day I got the book, I had a podcast. I did like podcast outlines and record shows and stuff like that. So I wasn't able to like finish the book right away. And I had messaged Arzu knowing that she is a Stellan Geos fan. And I was like, hey, are you okay? She's like, I don't want to talk about it. And then I got to the end and I was like, do you need to talk to me? <laughs> I was just. I sobbed. And I like, and I, I think Stone's a okay, a good character. I blame you. I probably You're not his biggest stopped. fan, though. I, I, I would I not have like sobbed him. over Stone Geos if not for you, Arzu. Like you made me like the character. You make me think critically about the character. It's all your fault that I cried. I was just uh, <laughs> like, obviously, you know, we already said spoiler alert, but R.I.P. Stone Geos. I was just like R.I.P. Stone Geos, <laughs> my baby boy. I was, just, I got to that point where. You know, they're trying to stop the, sh- the ship from falling in the water. And Elzar cuts a oh. lady in half. Oh, my God. The moment that happened, I was like, oh, my God, which, you you boned everybody. Which was just a questionable decision on Elzar's part. I mean, but, uh, like, so that happens. I'm like, there is no. I'm like, but this is Star that Wars. That was the moment right? I felt the most dread. Like, that was the moment I was just like. Oh no! I, oh no! You stupid man! <laughs> part of me is like they wouldn't. They wouldn't do me like this twice, would they? Like they wouldn't. They wouldn't do that. And then El- Stellan has his whole moment of like, well, this the ship's gonna crash into the city either way. I might. I I need to stay and pilot it. It was like it was his Admiral Holdo moment without the benefit of a goodbye because I don't think Elzar would have taken it quite as well as Leia did. So. Elza, uh, Stellan crashing into the water, talking about how the firmament will glow no less brighter with one star missing. And I am just sobbing my eyes out. I don't even know how I got through the last, like, ten pages or whatever. Like, I could barely see. So, and then, okay, so this is, this ties into what I wanted to talk about, was after Stellan dies... And Elzar gets his lightsaber from the droid and he and Avar realize that the three of them are not ever going to be together again and they're feeling that devastation. I understand where that was supposed to hit. I understand what I what I meant to feel. But I don't think it hit well because, at least for me personally, because we have never actually seen the three of them interact. I totally get that. I 
you know, yeah. we've talked about before how much, how badly we want like prequel stuff, but has Stella and Avar and Elzar ever been in the same room together? Like they've been paired off, but I don't, have they? I don't remember. They, they are together. In the Star in Wars number 20. In Star Wars 20. Yeah. It is the cutest thing. Stella Geos really said, this beard is my look and I will not. <laughs> I am it. nine years old with a 30 year old beard. Furthering my canon that Stellan Geos hails from my side of the Eurasian continent if he is that young with a full <laughs> facial hair deal. But anyway, this is me canonizing my own representation because nobody else will give it to me. Um, So anyway, we haven't actually seen the three of them interact at all. We have seen Elzar and Stellan interact. And I think that is one of the greater like male friendships in Star Wars. Like it's so strong and you... It's hard to communicate in writing. Not a lot of authors do it well, but they manage to communicate so well that the, these are two people who definitely grew up together, who definitely like know each other so well that a lot of the communication doesn't need to be spoken. That was great. Elzar and Avar's pining, we can't do this, maybe we should. That comes across great. It And then like Stellan and, what's her name? Stellan and Avar's, professional tension of like well i'm on the council now i'm the marshal of the beacon well i'm actually also now the marshal of the beacon like that tension wonderful chef's kiss no critique on any of that but we never see them as a trio yep and i think one of the issues i had with the fallen star is that anytime we got close to a character beat like this the plot would have to pivot to somebody else like Stellan and Elzar's conversations always felt like they ended five minutes too early. Do you know what I mean? And it was like that for all of them. I, I felt like every single time we were this close to a character beat, it ended like half a page too soon. And this is weird for Claudia because usually her stuff, like Master and Apprentice is a character piece. There's a huge yeah. physical threat, but it is mostly about these two characters figuring out what their what their master padawan apprentice apprenticeship relationship means to them so i don't know if this was just pressure of having to bear the weight of a finale that kind of made it faster paced than maybe claudia is used to i don't know i've been monologuing what do you think i i hear what you're saying um i think that's kind of the reason why i do like it but i totally get it like now that you've pointed it out like that is a little weird for claudia but I think that's part of the reason why I liked it is because it was adding to the tragedy of everything, like the everything unsaid. There's so much unsaid. Like there's there's a moment where like also I was like, you're going to tell me about your story about you and Orla, right? Yeah. Stella? And he was like, yeah. And then it's never said. And it's um, never going to be said, but that's... And that's the tragedy. And like, that's, that's what I like about it. As a reader. It is, that I don't is know, it's frustrating. But I, I kind of like that because that added like a little bit of realism, you know, like there's going to be, I, I started, I thought actually a lot about Bernestra in this book mm -hmm. um, about, oh you know, in, in out of the shadows, she was like, I'll tell Stellan about my lightsaber and all these things next time I see him. That's never going to be said. But that's an unsaid that I think works very well because mm -hmm. that's a, you know, that's a essentially a daughter saying she's going to tell her dad the next time she sees him that, you know she's gonna tell him the truth she's gonna tell him what she's going through next time he doesn't need to hear it right now and she's gonna learn this girl who's already in a pretty emotionally precarious place that there is no next time i haven't and done mr disaster i can't wait to start it 
Yeah, exactly. Like she's like it. The thing about Mission to Disaster, it's not a huge spoiler, but it, it's set prior to this. Yep. So we don't get that closure at all. But I'm which good. I, I, I'm assuming I'm we'll good. get. Later. I like not having that closure actually. <laughs> well, we're gonna get it later, but like, there's one mention of Stellan off the top in in Mission to Disaster. It's just like like Vanessa remembering having done something with Stellan on a mission once, and I'm just like, oh god, because that's the hard part. I just, am yeah. I'm waiting for the physical copy to come out um just because I have it on audiobook I just I don't process audio very well um so I just you know I'm gonna I'm waiting for it to come out also just to give me a little like breathing room between the books yeah. just to process because I think if I went right into Mission Disaster I probably would have been like oh god like <laughs> right away just the yeah I, yeah I I thought about this book for days like days after like i just mm-hmm. thought about that and I, especially stellan like i this is the book that actually i should say that made me like really love stellan as a character um and i think uh to, to finish up what we were saying before we go into yeah. another point um i i do like a lot of the left things left on unsaid i i i like that because it kind of does give a real realism to my star wars and i'm you know me ours i like I a little bit of realism in my star wars um I do like the like the space fantasy and like the rule for cool the like the rule of cool I should say um, and stuff like that. But sometimes I just like the realism um, to have this moment that felt so like the things left unsaid um, to like never knowing because I also think that it also gives a lot of fun to the fans. You know, as 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 a fanfic writer, mm-hmm. that I'm like, well, maybe I will write one day the Orla Stellan story. Um, it gives a lot of like room for fans to play to like explore those things um because we're never gonna if we get every single answer ever in star wars that takes away a lot of fun of us as fans to debate like oh what do you think that happened and like maybe like stellan and orla made out i don't know like like, there's like so much like fun things that that's left for us fans to play with then i i agree with that in that i am I know it doesn't sound like that right now, but I'm actually not a huge advocate of tell me every detail all the time, always. Mm-hmm. I think that's one of the areas episode nine fell flat was they were like, let me over explain things that don't need explaining the to the of, the week. of everybody. Go. So like, I, I do think that that's a problem. And I know I keep bringing up episode nine. This book is nothing like episode nine. Like I might actually willingly reread this one day. Um, but I think like just it just fell i'm reiterating the point but it just fell a little bit flat in that i'm like you claudia is so good at doing these character beats that i was kind of hoping it would be more more of her usual style like do you think the expectation of what you know that claudia has done in the past had dictated how you viewed the book cuz you were expecting something different it's possible um, I think that dictated how I how I viewed the book. And I also think my mind was already starting to make itself up when I picked up the book at the bookstore because of how short it is, relatively speaking. It's not a short book. It's over 300 pages. But compared to Light of the Jedi and Ride- Rising Storm, it is <laughs> To Throne Ascendancy 3, which is like 500 freaking pages. I still have not finished that book. It's long. Like... They gave 550 pages to wrap up Thrawn's story. And I get it, man. Thrawn has a huge, passionate fan base. You give them their 550 pages of 
conclusion. But and I get that this isn't the full conclusion to the High Republic, but this is the the adult conclusion, the big stone conclusion of yeah. this wave. I think I would have had a lot less issue with it if it was like a hundred pages longer, because then all of the beats could still like all of the disaster beats, the plot beats could still hit where they hit. And Claudia would still have the space to go just a little deeper with the characters. I get that. I, I maybe not a hundred. I, I feel like it needs about 50. I, I think it's like almost there because I, actually don't... I want more. That's what it is. <laughs> I know. I know. I mean, cause I actually don't have a problem with a lot of the character stuff. Like I actually, this book made me really love Elzar for the first time. This made me really like, I liked Stellan, but I loved Stellan in this book. Mm-hmm. Um, if, and this is going to be a surprise to me. I'm actually a little bit, I was a little underwhelmed with my baby boy Belle's story. Um, even though I did like a lot of the stuff with Belle. Um, and, and I really enjoyed him like being there with Burry and being able to take his own grief and from, from losing Loden and help Burry through that. I mm-hmm. thought that was a really good moment for him. But like Indira got sidelined so early. Um, I really, that, that's one thing I do wish we want more of because so far with Rising Storm and now this one, Bella and Indira has been separated right. twice now um and not together and there's there's a moment right before indira got sidelined where she was like am i a good master like how can i live up to Loden? like what's going on with this like i don't know how to be there for him i don't know what to do and like um and i felt a little bit of that in the rising storm where bell's like i need to give indira a chance but i'm still missing Loden. i don't know what to do with that and like that's a really interesting relationship that i still want to be explored more um, but this is the second time that they've been separated. And also, like, <laughs> me, I want more pets in Star Wars. Also me, I stressed way too much over Ember in this book. <laughs> I was so scared for Ember. Um, Ember's but- gonna be fine, because as terrible as this is going to sound, I feel like a lot of people will be far kinder to animals in fiction than they will be to people. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So Ember's gonna, everybody worries about Ember. Ember is going to be fine. You because say that we now. Will watch them two kill. years from now, I'm going to scream at you being like, you told me that Ember's fine. They're going to kill every single one of our faves before they touch that dog. I'm telling you now. That dog's going to die of like old age in the Coruscant Temple, like being pampered to death. Um, and she's going to be fat. She's going to be a fat old chonker. And she's going to like be like rolling over and everyone's going to be petting her belly. She's the pile um, on mascot. She's going to yeah. be fine. So I, I do like the stuff with Bell, but I just felt like compared to everything else, he had probably the most underwhelming story because mm-hmm. there's stuff that I, I want to see with him in Indira. They have a very interesting story. Um, and it's kind of the same things that I want to see with like Reese and Comac. Um, and don't tell me any of this because you've read Midnight Horizon and I have not. Um, I really want to see these explana- these explorations of like what happens when you have your second master. Um, what happens like when you're trying not to compare them to like your previous master um you know like how does Reese feel about Comet compared to Jora? um what was Comet's second master like you know he lost Simic so long so he clearly had a second master like so these are themes I want to see explored and we never really had this in Star Wars before of not that I can remember of someone having multiple masters and it's having really to exp- spend a lot of time with the Jedi yeah yeah I mean the closest I can considered. think of is Ray going from Luke to Leia and Luke going from his 12-hour road trip with Obi-Wan to like 
his week long weeks in the swamp with Yoda. Yeah, so like like this is the really first time that that I want to see these like relationships dug into. But I do really like Bell a lot. Like I really loved him being there for Burry and being able to apply his his own grief, um, him not giving excuse me, him not giving up on Burry at the end. Who I I don't know if he's I'm so torn whether or not Burry's dead or not. Um, but. I, I have to say though, my favorite point in this entire book was when Bell was just sitting that down and just being like, "Okay, Ember, we're gonna build a bomb." <laughs> and I'm like, "That's my chaos child. I love you so much." <laughs> uh, just him, just being like, "I'm gonna build a bomb, you guys. Let's go." And Stellan's like, "You know what? It's been a day. Do your thing, kid. Go on. <laughs> Whatever you want. I'm tired. You know Fine." <laughs> so yeah, okay. but on that idea of getting more of Indira and Belle, this is something, again, going back to things Claudia has done before, this whole, am I a good master? Am I an appropriate Padawan? Like, all of this is something that Master and Apprentice does really, really well. And I was hoping that we were going to get some of that. In- There's something that Into the Dark did really, really well. Like, there's a reason that Into the Dark is still my favorite book of the High Republic. Like, it is it is every, I, to me, I think Into the Dark is a very perfect book. Um, there's very little wrong with it in my brain. It does a good job balancing the set piece, the set piece being the Maxine station um, compared to Fallout, compared to Starlight Beacon in this. It does mm-hmm. a good job balancing the not only the adult characters, but the teenage characters as well. Their relationships to each other, the everyday people that are involved in this as well. Like it does everything the Fallen Star, but to me it does it so much better. Because it does take a little bit more time to like, and there's the same dread the moment they get to the because like you know they get caught in the hyperspace disaster, and the moment that they get to the Maxine station, all four Jedi are like, "Whoa, something is wrong here." <laughs> what there's is no room that? to breathe in into the dark? Yeah, That's the difference. Like, think of I haven't seen Poseidon Adventure. Granted, so the big disaster movie I was thinking is the Titanic. Yeah, same here. And like, think think of the Titanic. I don't know if you remember this. Back in the day when the Titanic first came out on home release, it was on VHS and it was on two tapes. I the- owned that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we, had the, we had the two tapes. The first tape was a love story. It was mm-hmm. setting up the ship. It was setting up the romance. Like, it wasn't without conflict. They had, I don't remember the character's name, but we had Billy Zane causing trouble. We had, you know, the class divide. We had Rose's frustrations. We had Jack's kind of like gets by on his good looks and charm vibe and then right at the point where you change the tape the boat hits the iceberg and everything starts to go wrong suddenly it's a disaster movie but we did have that first 90 minutes i don't actually remember how long titanic is but we had that first 90 minutes of of a love story we got to see these characters in peacetime we got to see these characters Mm pre-conflict to then watch how they engage in conflict and I don't think we got enough time with any of these characters in a pre-conflict state because the first time we meet any of them, the great disaster's happening. They sort of deal with it. We see a little bit, especially of Elzar, and that's why I think Elzar, like I, I got, the, I, I'm satisfied with Elzar at this point because we got some pre-disaster Elzar in the Rising Storm when he's helping um, Samira set up on Balo. I would have liked to see the recovery efforts on Aram before the starlight beacon starts to blow up like 50 pages of of relief effort so we can see them thriving in their do good jedi environment before this because i feel like at the end of this wave 
phase, I still haven't had enough time with them. And now with some of them, like Orla, like Stellan, I'm never going to get that now. So I totally get that. Um, I did have a thought of, I, I think you pointed this out to me, of how I feel like with Stellan, it was kind of like hinted that he was going to die because they crammed him in just about everything. Yeah, I, I, I said so that in much article stuff. too. There was so um, much Stellan. Yeah, like he's in everything. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think there's a single project that he's not in in this. Yeah, no, he's... Up to this point, I should say. He's mentioned, if not present. But he's yeah. in the manga, he's in Trail of Shadows, he's in... The Higher Public um, Adventures, he's in the... Mo- he's, he's, the, not the he's in run. the Higher Public Adventures, he's in the regular run, he's in the annual, he's in yeah. the Life Day Treasury. Yep. Here's the thing. I don't know if you've read the Claudia Gray interview, but in the interview, I... she does say that Stellan survived the first draft. You're gonna hate me? I'm I'm actually really glad he bit it. I, I get, the thing is, I get why he died. Like a flash of rage in your eyes. It wasn't like, a flash of rage, it was a flash of like, don't cry right now. Um, and I'm like, and I also mean, it's not like, I'm glad he died because I hate him. Because like, this is my Ben Solo fighter flight kicking in. I'm like, what? But no. Um, I Can we also clarify, it's never okay to threaten authors because they kill your favorite character? It is never okay. Let's say that. So never that okay. You, you assholes who did that. Like, we do not threaten authors because they kill our faves. We write fan fiction and we cry to our friends we in DMs. fix it! That's what we do. We There's a reason I've written over 200,000 words about loading Great Storm, damn it! <laughs> but, like, the thing is, I understand why from a structural point of view, because it's obviously going to push Elzer to the dark because it's kind of his fault. You know, everybody says like, that. I don't agree with that. I, I actually think, think this is going to I don't keep Elzer from the dark. Objectively, I don't think it's his fault. In his head, that's how he's going to see it. Do you know what I mean? Like, I mean, it's kind of his fault. Like, don't cut a lady in half first and ask questions later. But, especially if you're a Jedi, but Elzar is going to process this as being his fault. I, I see it. I might be the only person in this camp, but I think Stellan's death is the one thing that's going to keep Elzar out of the dark. Um, because he he came so far in this book, like he really stepped up into a leadership this role. Because like Stellan was down, and Elzar's like, uh, and then Bell and Burry run in. They're like, hey, what do we do? And he's like, uh, Stellan, wake up! Dang it! Uh, <laughs> like he had to like step up into a leadership role. And I think, and, and pretty much becomes Stellan. And, you know, when we got to the end where he's, like, on the beach and, like, he gets, like, Stellan's lightsaber, like, I think that's going to be such a physical reminder of Stellan for him to, like, keep him out of the dark. And he doesn't feel angry. I mean, he's clearly sad about at losing his best friend and, like, Avar's there and stuff like that. But he just feels like his entire paradigm has shifted in this book. Like, look at where he was in Rising in Rising Storm when he's just like, oh, Avar doesn't love me. Well, I'll just go bone this girl then. It's fine. Versus here where he's like, I saved lives. I lost my friend. I have this reminder of my friend. I'm going to try and be like Stellan. I'm going to do everything to keep his legacy of everything he taught me to be a better person. So, like, I just, I don't see him going to the dark. But this, this whole, like, resolve to be better, like, with the lightsaber and with, like, let's help people and let's, you know, our pole star is always there, blah, 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 blah. This happened hours ago. The smoke hasn't cleared yet. Like, the adrenaline is still pumping. It hasn't fully sunk in. Like, he's seeing Avar for the first time in God knows how long. 
they are grieving together. But at some point, like, Avar is going to have her own grief to process because as much as she and Stellan have been butting heads the whole time we've seen them, they still grew up together too. Like, mm-hmm. they are still longtime friends too. And she has all of those regrets of, like, apologies she'll never be able to give, like, conversations she'll never be able to have. So she's going to be dealing with her own thing. Vanessa is obviously, I'm assuming, going to be devastated. Like, all of these people have just lost Stellan. And then there's Elzar, who not only has lost his his best friend and his anchor, really, but when he, I feel like when he gets down to it and thinks about it, he's going to realize that, like, playing it back in his head, that if he hadn't cut Chansey Yarrow in half, that <laughs> Stellan would still be, I can't get over how brutal that was. Like, it, it's going to hit him that if he hadn't done that, Stellan would still be alive. And I think this is, like, he is our... I know it's easy to say he's the Anakin parallel, but like we see Anakin in the Clone Wars stepping up into this leadership role once he is no longer Obi-Wan's apprentice and trying to be a little more Obi-Wan-esque. Obviously, that was never going to work for him. He's a completely different person, but he does sort of step up and be a leader in his own right. But his emotions do get the better of him in a way that I don't want to say he's not constructive because how many of us have constructive emotions, but in a way that works to his detriment and that's what I fear is going to happen to Elzar I I'm glad you brought up Anakin because I also feel like because everyone compares him to Anakin I can feel that they would want to take him a different direction so he wouldn't just be another Anakin but it's like poetry it rhymes (laughs) (laughs) I don't care (laughs) like um you know, there's so many like new things in this as well. Like, you know, they're pushing a lot of new boundaries. They can like they can make a instead of being like it's poetry it runs, they can be like, you know what, let's do some slant poetry and like go out the different way. Like, I don't know. So it's all freeform, it's fine. Yeah, it's fine. We'll do we'll do some like little like um beatboxes and stuff. I mean, I would like to see him not fall to the dark. I am tired of that, but I would like to see him reckon with this a little bit and not not sort of overcome too quickly not just because I want him to suffer for being indirectly responsible for the death of my fave but I, I do he's not is... responsible for the death of your fave indirectly responsible your my other, other fave, fave is responsible is oh, we're gonna get to him in a fave. second but you know how I like my my good angst and my broody character moments and I'm just hoping that I get that I don't want him to fall to the dark and then die two seconds after being redeemed because that is some bullshit oh, i'm so tired of it no more death via redemption i don't care but death is re- death is not redemption. redemption via death i have that backwards but i don't want it either way it's still not redemption i don't want it Ugh. okay we, we kind of brought him up Martian we kind of brought him up so let's talk about it um i hope you guys know i i messaged um arzu after i finished reading and i was like would you rather had Martian or stellan die and he she was like Martian. i was like are you coming over to my side no because here's the thing. <laughs> here's the thing i love Martian Rowe so much Martian ho till the day i die but also I was so shaken in that moment. And I was like, you know what? I I think where that came from was it was far more expected in my Disney-fied brain for the bad guy to die. So I was more emotionally prepared for Martian to die. Because I thought they were both going to die in this book, honestly. And I was far more emotionally prepared for it to be Martian. 
So I just had the rug pulled out from under me. And I'm like, nope, I don't like this. I am very curious at what your thoughts about the epilogue is. I mean, I don't know, actually. I was, I, I read a lot it in of a thoughts state about of that. shock. So <laughs> I, I still, I could barely see the epilogue when I was reading the epilogue. Because <laughs> through the tears. But what are your thoughts on the epilogue? <laughs> I, I actually, I, I've, you know, I, I think I've talked about this before. I can't, I've been on other shows. I don't remember what I've talked about with you and not. Um, I started loving, I, I loved Marshawn in the beginning. Um, I thought he was a really cool villain. I thought, I mean, you know, I'm a sucker for villains and stuff like that. Um, but I feel this book did a really good job of smoothing out some of the inconsistencies I had with Marshawn from Light of the Jedi to Rising Storm, because those two books, he felt like two completely different characters to me. Um, Light of the Jedi read to me like Marcion was this almost Moriarty-esque character playing like 12D chess and like was pulling all these stream strings and was like this mastermind. And then I got to Rising Storm and he felt like a petulant teenager, like just screaming at the ghost of his father. And like he just felt like such a different character. And what I liked about this book is they really focused on his paranoia. Um, you know, he like clears out the gaze electorate. He gets an all robot crew. He bones some some uh, some senators. And but it also like that paranoia really smoothed out of like he is this mastermind who is starting to lose his mind a little bit in Rising Storm. And now he's like reached this paranoia place. But it also helped smooth out to go back to that mastermind thing. Like, you know, I wasn't I was actually super surprised by the epilogue that he just came right out and he was just like, Hey Republic, I'm Marcion Rowe. I'm the eye of the Nihil. Come into my space and I'm going to ding dang shoot you. Don't come into my space, my bubble space. This is mine. And it really kind of went back and said, okay, it helped me see that he was playing this like long time, this long time game he was playing this like slow burn. He was getting rid of the other Tempest runners. So it brought back a lot of that. Like I love when he was just like, I don't know where Lorna is. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> like um, it did kind of smooth out a lot of those things. Of, like it returned him to like the mastermind. Uh, this is what he was always planning. He took out his big, his big ship. He took out Starlight Beacon. All his plans are coming to fruition. He's gotten rid of almost all the Tempest runners. Um, and now it's just him. He is the leader. He's the big bad. He's the mastermind again. And I think what I also really enjoyed is he's using the same propaganda that Lena So uses because I, I don't remember the Powan's name, but like call Cole. It's not, it's not Regald Cole who I have to say, I love Regald Cole. And I want to talk about that, that dad joke man for a second. Um, but like, the Powan Nihil was just like, yes, we're here to witness Martian's great works. Lena So calls her stuff the great works. And I, and I really like that parallel that Martian is pretty much using the same propaganda that Lena uses. So like, I, I'm still like not a Martian Ho anymore. I can't stand him. I... <laughs> I'm only still in our group chat because I just want to be part of things. <laughs> we don't, we don't, listen, 
There are two Martians in this world. There is Canon Martian and there's Taste of Chaos Martian. And those are two different Martians. They are so... very different Martians, but also like um like I just I I've never turned on a character so fast, but this did a little bit to repair him a little bit in my brain, a little bit. Uh, I've said a little yeah. bit like four times just now. Um but like when I was on Gold Squadron Gaze, me, Charles, and Chris opened with F Martian. <laughs> we opened with that, like F that guy. Um and Chris from Dorkside Evas was just like, yeah, he might be as evil as Palpatine, if not eviler, because he's just so ding ding chaotic. Rude. Um, Rude. I really but, don't think Palpatine. No, but he's so I, like at least like there's an elegance to like Palpatine. Martian is just so chaotic that it's so much harder to like know what's happening where he's come from is he going to be screaming at the ghost of his daddy today or is he going to be taking star like beacon like you just don't know what you're going to get out of this character and i I think that's what yes and no it just makes it really hard for me to like the character because i feel like every time i read him i'm reading somebody with like a different personality almost like I don't know what Martian I'm going to get that day. Am I going to get the soft-spoken one that's like being like, someone invaded the townstead, go get them. Am I going to be the one that's like, I'm going to burn down the ship today and then bang that senator. (laughs) We're going to talk about that in a second. But as far as characterization of Martian Road goes, like you you and I talked about this before, that we didn't have the same approach to Martian um, from the beginning. Like you saw him kind of like the Moriarty 12D chest. And I'm like, this is a man holding his organization together with prayers and duct tape. And it's a miracle any of it works. So um, I thought that was fairly consistent. It was maybe I was being a little bit unnecessarily critical. Like he obviously does have some sort of plan in place. But what I like about his arc, and it does speak volumes about how much I love him, that he is indirectly responsible for the death of my other fave. And yet here I am still loving him and talking about his arc. Um, that He was dead I... to me the moment he put his hands on Loden. The moment he <laughs> I, he took off the, the, those ding-dang sexy-ass Leku, I was done. I was like, That's he touched... it. Huh? Martian Rowe is over. <laughs> he, yeah, he was over when he touched my boy. But okay, so here's the thing I like about his arc is that I feel we have like almost apathetic Martian in Light of the Jedi. Like, whatever, you guys do your stuff and just keep paying me and it's fine. And then he gets more and more involved in it. But he also, as he becomes more involved in the Nihil, sort of becomes more and more insular. Like, he's like, I'm going to take control of everything, but also nobody talk to me. And I'm going to go yell at the ghost of my dad. And I'm like, it's like, almost like he's trying to manage it all himself. And he's shutting down and closing off. And I think him, we see that visually represented very well in this by him emptying out the ship of everybody, but his assistant and his girlfriend. And like, I love that assistant. I just want to like throw that out there. I love that character. That's a good character. Oh yeah, she's just like, yep, I, I dream of middle management. <laughs> well, you know, you, you know what I like about that character? Um, and and I'm I'm gonna touch into like fandom for half a second. Like I you know, I, I, I RP with my best friend, and she is almost exactly like a character that I role play who was a Sith acolyte. And of just being in it and almost and the more I thought about that, of like that probably would be like what a Sith acolyte would be to Palpatine. 
yeah. of just being like, I'm not here for my own pleasure. I'm only here to serve this one person. And I have to an anticipate. And I'm like, what if that, like, what if that character is a Sith kind of trying to slide in there and just seeing what's happening? Just being like, how are you destroying the Jedi? <laughs> you think Thaya is a Sith? Maybe. It's a theory. Interesting. Because I hadn't even... I just thought, like... I, I like don't believe acolyte. her line of, like, dreaming of middle management. I feel like she's got something else going on. Good for her. But I don't I don't know that... that... As somebody who has been middle management as well as a boss, middle management is great, because then you'd be like, oh, no, let me just shove this off to the higher-ups. <laughs> but she can't management. shove it off to Martian. I know. She's got to take know. care of all of it. She's the boss without the title, so I'm like... Mm -hmm. You want the title too. That's I the sucky assume. thing about being middle management is when it gets kicked back down to you. <laughs> yeah, which I think everything does. <laughs> it sucks. But you were saying, I'm so sorry. No, so there, there was her, but then, okay. I think we need to talk about, is it Gira or Jira Staros? I don't know. I did not listen to those chapters on the audiobook. Okay, I don't. I'm going to go with Gira Staros because that's what I've been saying. But let's talk about her for a second. <laughs> It's so, it's hard to watch other people live in your dreams, but here we are. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry, but I was not expecting, I, I was kind of expecting a sex subplot in this book because it's Claudia Gray. I wasn't expecting, one, for it to be Martian, two, for Martian to be so good in bed that it knocked her out for hours so good and he's so good it makes you commit treason like she used the words enthusiastic reunion i'm like jesus christ okay was not expecting that would like to thank claudia gray for this moment of levity in between this entire like disaster movie happening around us we learned that marcian roe is good in bed and for that i thank claudia gray I actually messaged Arzu and I was like, oh, Marcia, Marcia on Bones. And she was like, yeah, he does. Yeah, he does. <laughs> no, no, it was We've been that. saying it for a year. It has been confirmed that Marcia Rowe is canonically good in bed. And I feel so, like this is a win. That is something that, that makes me wonder um, about something we talked about way earlier, which is would that scene still work if they didn't know who Gira was from Out of the Shadows? Mm. I would say yes only I say not no. just because I want this to work but because I think you have added context for who Gira is like because she's Avon's mom because she's worked with the Jedi like you sort of vaguely know how she fits in with everybody else but I the think thing it is, works is that in the way she hasn't been in any of the adult books though so if somebody just no. read the adult book they would have like really I, and I was like Pretty much her only scene was like, hi, I'm a senator. I'm flying away now. And then like she's with Marjoram the rest of the way. I, I think it works for the intended purpose of this is the identity of Marjoram's, um Republic Senate spy, which is probably the, the, like, the purpose of having her in this. Um, I think you do get obviously way more depth if you have read the other stuff, then you have a better sense of who she is. But I think it's the reveal served its purpose. Whether or not, but then again, we don't know because we we have the added context. But I I know I I, yeah. I was trying to look at this from the point of view of somebody who like had no knowledge of it. And well, even I, just, I thought it was a little abrupt. Yeah, when, yeah. When 
Gearstaris is like showing up and like at Martian ship. I'm like, oh, okay. And then suddenly they're in bed and I'm like, hold on. And then I felt like I'd missed something. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I feel yeah. like the identity of maybe I was just making a big deal out of this, but I feel like the identity of his Republic contact was a bigger deal. And it is a big deal. It's a big term- deal. It's a big deal in terms of who she is. It's a big deal in terms of the fact that he has a Republic contact at all. But I feel like I was waiting for, I was waiting for the beat to drop and it just didn't. Do you know what <laughs> it, was, it was Lena So's Targons the entire time. Like there was no, <laughs> there was no record scratch freeze frame. And I was waiting for that. <laughs> but but then that happened, you know, half a page later with the enthusiastic reunion. So that was my moment. But but yeah, I thought that was I expected it to land harder and it didn't. I yeah, I Yeah, I I mean I, I don't disagree. Um I just I don't feel like we've had Gira long enough to really and, and maybe that's it. I, I I feel like there needs to be so much more prequel stuff. Um, like, give me an animated series of, like, all the stuff leading up to this. Like, of all everybody's backgrounds and stuff like that. I, I would even be happy if it was, like, one-off episodes of, like, per character. Like, each character gets an episode or something. It's just... It's... it's on one hand, I feel like the higher public has been around forever. On the other hand, I feel like we haven't had these characters very long. Um... Like, I can't unsee Star Wars now without the High Republic. Like, it is mm. my Star Wars. And it's actually, I, I would argue, it's probably one of my favorite eras of Star Wars ever made. Um, but at the same time, like, we careen so fast through this. And I, I guess it's not so different from the original trilogy. We don't have, like, background of those characters. And we just kind of, like, crashed into it and, like, got what we need. But I, I don't know. Like, it just feels like we need just a little bit more across the board. Um, you know, I, I, I was thinking about Orla of like if someone hadn't read Into the Dark, would Orla even function well? <laughs> like, yeah. like does that character actually function well in this book with no context of her? I have a friend who is reading the adult books, but she's not reading anything else. So I'm like, I'm like, that's good. Don't read anything else because I would like to know how the Fallen Star lands for you. Not yeah, I'd be interested to know. Else. So, I'd be really interested to know because, I, I mean, Orla is such me. a fantastic character. And, oh, my God, I'm, I'm so sad for Scarra and Okomak so much. Oh, that just pains me. But, like, to have, like, Leox, you know, just being like, I'm going to do this for Orla. And I'm like, does people even know? Because you open with the vessel just being like, sup, Orla. And she's like, sup, guys. And there was, like, no background of, like, what happened with these people. And Elzar's yeah. like, who are these guys, Orla? And she's like, my friends. And they're like, what's up, Orla? And he's like, I guess I will go along with this because plot. <laughs> and and I, guess, I, I guess the thinking is like, because Orla doesn't live a temple life and like wanders, like, of course, she's got all these friends. And I guess that's what makes her so cool to Elzar. Yeah, but, but... something that did so well is they actually really like went into like, what a wayseeker is. What does that mean? Why is it why is it such a big choice? How does that affect things? And and falling through, they're just like, Orla's a wayseeker and Stalin doesn't like it. And like they we don't really get like an explanation. So if God, we're read, never gonna find out why Stalin is the way he is. Like why why does he not like wayseekers? What is his I don't want to say problem because he is perfect, but what is like no, but like What's his issue with Wayseekers? What is his issue with deviating outside of temple life? Like, I can headcanon a thousand reasons, and I have. But, like, 
Oh, I had no problem with any of that. I just, no, I'm just thinking out loud now that I'm never. Yeah, I, I have no problem with any of that because, like, to me, like, the reason Stolen didn't like it is because it deviated outside of his temple life. And they've done a really good job to show that he is not a rule breaker. Um, he doesn't, like, he has this, like, circle of trauma that he got from Raina Kant. And then he put that onto Vernestra of, like, the circle of must be perfect all, at all times trauma. And I know, I thought that was built up very well. Like, I had no problems with that. It's just, um, you know, they, they did such a good well talking about what a Wayseeker is and exploring that for Orla personally that they just sort of mention it in this book. And I just don't know if anybody who didn't read Into the Dark would really fully grasp, like, why that's such a big deal. It's the yeah. damn Kingdom Hearts problem. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, um, I, I felt a little bit like this in Light of the Jedi, which was the corporate fingers in the high republic like the kind of corporate touching everything um and i would actually really love and i know i, I will probably one never know the answer to because the authors are probably under ndas and can't talk about it um but also i feel like this might be something that we'll never figure out i want to know how much of it was corporate saying hey split up the story so you have to get everything Versus this is something the authors actually wanted to do to tell the story in this format. Um, and the reason I, because like there are some things that I read, like the reason Light of the Jedi is not one of my favorite books is what I call the corporate third. And it's the last third of the book where the first third is the, the Hetzal disaster. They're taking care of that. The middle third is like, you know, the adventures, like we're getting to know like Loden and Bell and Alfrana and like all that's happening. They're trying to figure out what happened. And then you have the corporate third, which is like, shit, we have to cram in everybody else. They're scare and Jorah. They're important over there. Is that Comac with his new Padawan wreath over at Starlight? Read the book. Is that Vernestra with Emery? Wow, look at them. Um, and it just feels like everybody's just crammed into the end of Fly of the Jedi because they are in the other properties and they have to be mentioned to be in other properties. That's why I like Fly of the Jedi is not one of my favorite books. And I feel that with fallen star where it's like oh here's nan you don't know who nan is go read the other books then and like that's not cool it's not accessible to everybody some people have trouble reading comic books i have trouble processing audio which is why i keep putting off tempest runner because i just don't really want to listen to a thing for six hours when i could process it so much faster in a book and like uh, you know i i'm getting my friend megan to read these for the first time and she just does not like comic books. They're not her jam. They're not her format. I was talking with Chris from Dorkside Divas. And he is like, I actually have trouble processing them. Because, it, you know, some people are dyslexic. They have trouble following that through line. And I just, I get why they did it. But I also really hate how much they've split this up to where you have to read everything for things to somewhat make sense. And Fallen Stars feels like it has corporate fingers all over it. Like, putting all their little corporate fingers in all the fallen star pie. Am I making sense? It You're making like sense. That. I just don't know that I agree. I just... It bothers me. It bothers me that it's like, you want to know the whole story, buy $400 worth of stuff. I... Yeah, that's, like... That's my thing is, I don't think it doesn't make any sense if you haven't read it. Like, our friend Hannah hasn't read the comics, and she said it landed just fine without without that knowledge the adult books have done a good job sticking with a relatively core cast 
Yeah, like th that's the thing. Like every, I think, bracket, every medium has their core cast and then they have the side cast. And if you're interested, you'll go look. If you're not interested, that's fine. Um, I don't think it makes no sense. I think you get a richer story and I can understand the the temptation to cross over the way they have. Like, I really like the crossover aspect because it re I feel like it rewarded me for having read everything, which was, I wasn't initially when the High Republic came out planning on reading any of the comics uh, because I don't generally read comics, but you know, when it, when I started to see like how big a story it was, I caught up and I stayed caught up. But so I, I don't mind the crossover aspect. I see why they did it because the whole thing is being treated as one giant story, which is something I think the sequel trilogy era lacked. Um, not, not for a lack of effort on, on the part of certain people, people did try and other people mm -hmm. didn't. Um, and I think that, so, so I like the idea that there are a core group of people collectively overseeing the story and like, and that's my whole thing too. Like with reading all the canon books is seeing where they bleed into each other and where they cross over. Like, like Ray Sloan popping up everywhere. I love that woman. You don't. I, I love that having, woman. Like, having gone love... through it twice, if you read it in any old order, you may not pick up on Ray Sloan. If you read it in canon order, um, then you become more aware of like Ray I Sloan's love... trajectory. I love her so, so much. Yeah. A New Dawn is a very underrated book. I love that book. And that, like, that was the part where I just went, oh my god, because I think A New Dawn comes after the Aftermath books, right? Before? It's before, um, it's before. because it, it's Kanan and Hera. It's yeah. how they met. Right. It's before Aftermath. So, like, reading A New Dawn, I mean, like, Ray Sloan, I'm like, I know this name. And then you go into Aftermath, and you're like, oh my god, it's Ray yeah. Sloan. And, like, <clears throat> it's like a huge deal so i like that they have carried that energy fully into the high republic by really like this really collaborative overlapping process i do understand and acknowledge that if, if not cost prohibitive because you know like via the library or whatever then it becomes time prohibitive because you have to wait for your library to get a copy not and i and was doing some research comics. and like, like i was doing some research of library systems in the poorest parts of the united states they don't have these books the Mississippi Delta, which is one, of, which is one of the poorest areas in the United States. None of their like I, I was going through different library systems and different. I was I was choosing counties at random, but I was going through like popular counties and like major cities to like lower ones, and it's very hard to find these books. Okay, so I I stand corrected. I'm fortunate enough to live somewhere where my address gives me access to three library systems, and all of them carry the books. So I have been. I mean, I, I have the books. I have them in hard copy of myself, but they are accessible to my very yeah. large area. So so I stand corrected on that front. But I do understand that they are inaccessible in their entirety um, to those who might want them. But don't even I think, get to I like, think uh, they still work. Yeah, don't even do like international stuff. Because, because comic books are very hard to get internationally, especially mm -hmm. digitally because of like, Digital shipping, my goodness, international shipping. Mm -hmm. So one of, one of my favorite artists was like, I haven't read past High Republic Adventures number five because it's just so ding dang expensive. And she's like, I've been pretty much spoiled on the entire thing. Yeah, it's it's not easy. So mm -hmm. so but yeah. Fall on star. <laughs> 
I, yeah, I, I feel, I feel like negative. I do actually really like this book. A lot. Yeah, we've been really critical. Like, it's not a, it's not but my I, favorite book, and it's like, I think it's my least favorite adult book. But it is still like, I still enjoyed it. I still. It's had probably fun my with favorite it. of the adult books, actually. Um, even though my Light of the Jedi had my baby boy loaded in it, um, but I just, uh, I think this book does make me think really critically as the project as a whole. And as we're about to go into like a year and a half of not seeing these people again, uh, probably at least a year and a half easily, um, I've not seen these characters again. It, that makes me kind of sad. Um, it makes me really hope we do get more content around them individually. Um, we always joke about how we want to see a prequel of them just being happy and going to Ikea, but, like, I really do want those things. Like, I want to know more about their lives prior to this. And I think that's just, like, a thing I have with Star Wars as a whole is, like, we're always at war. Can we just have nice, fluffy stories at peacetime? You know? Yeah. Why can't we have more of that? And I I mean, I'm a sucker for Slice of Life. I love Slice of Life stuff. There, I mean... I, I freaking watched like Azamangadayo, which is like a great anime, and it's just about the daily lives of like six high school girls just living their life, and it's so fascinating, it's so interesting, and I love it, and it's hilarious because life is funny, and you know I want to have like the Padawan adventures of Elzar Avar, and I can't believe I talked more about Stone and Elzar in this than my boy Leox because Leox was stellar in this book, so damn good. He was such a good character. I can't believe I talked more about the other two than him because he was just so good. Um, except for in the audiobook. Mark Thompson, pl please give the audiobook back to Dan Bittner. And that's saying something because I love Mark Tom Thompson. See, I, I, love haven't, I haven't listened to the audiobooks because I don't care for Mark Thompson's take on Martian at all. Especially after Light of the Storm when you see how old he is. Light of the Storm. I'm making things up now. When you read Eye of the Storm. And see how old Martian is meant to be 20 years prior to the Great Disaster. He looks about 10. So Martian's supposed to be about 30. I love that take on him. Give or I'm take sorry. a year. And he sounds 16. I disagree. He sounds I like a creepy 30-year-old like that I used he to like. not. Yes, he, he does. Like yes, he does. Yes, he does. I love that take. Um, sounds like a no. basement-dwelling 16-year-old. No, no, no. He sounds like a serial killer that's going to stab you. Um, that's like. But he is meow meow baby boy. No, no. Yes. No. Yes. No, I hate yes. him. No. Meow meow. Baby I only boy. put up for, for Martian for you. Meow meow baby boy. Okay, you can have him. I only put <laughs> up with Martian for you. Only because I care for you. you. <laughs> no, but like the um. The audiobook, uh, I do have to mention too, is can we get more consistency among the audiobooks? Because Orla going from an American accent and into the Darks audiobook to a wildly Eastern European accent in Fallen Star was jarring. Um, yeah, I just had to throw that out there because it really bothered me. But um, yeah, I do really like this book. Uh, I just, I'm not sure if I like the. Um, I don't know, A Year Into the Higher Public, it's one of my favorite things, but I think the reason why I love it so much is so much of the fandom. You know, I think the fandom is filling in, like, these holes. And, like, you know, we're in wave three, and we're just now getting, like, size stuff, like, being here at the end and stuff, which I'm all here for because I love them so much. Size my baby. I love them so much. You're going to love Midnight Arrest. I'm so excited for Midnight 
for Ryan's and Ari's day. You don't even know. I'm losing my mind waiting for this dang, ding, dang book. I'm so, uh, A little uh, self-plug. Uh, if you, like Hope, uh, are unbearably excited for Midnight Horizon, my review will be up on the Geeky Waffle tomorrow. <laughs> so, which is probably up by the time this comes out, right? No, tomorrow from when this comes out. This is coming out oh. Tuesday. It'll be up Wednesday, Wednesday, January 26th. So if, if today is the 26th or onward for you and you're excited about Midnight Rising, go to the Geeky Waffle and you can see the review there. I I just, uh, I'm so, Midnight Horizon, it's going to heal everything for me. Um, but I, I, I think so much of what I like about this, and this is what I always love about most of Star Wars, is the fandom. I love like the, like the fan art and the fan fiction and all that. And it just carrying the torch and like kind of feel filling in the gaps that I feel like this is falling short on. I can't help but think that there is a little kind of corporate feeling to all of this. Cause I was thinking of like, are the Marvel comics as deep as the novels? Do we know as much about Keeve and Skier as we do everybody else? Surprisingly, we know more about Keeve and Skier than I would have expected from a comic media. I agree with that. But like, like what if we had gotten them in like a novel? You know, how much more would we know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess... I don't feel like I know them. I feel like I do. Like, Lula's one of my favorite characters. I resonate with Lula on a very deep level. Lula is mostly in the comics. I want to say something that's horrible already. You don't like Lula, do you? No, I just, I find her very two-note. She's not bland, and she's complicated, but I feel like there's so much more they could do with that character. But the thing is, Hope, there's so much they could do with all of these characters. I know, like, and I know. A total of nine books and like two 15-issue comic runs with a couple of one-shots and like, like 30 characters, any of whom are enough to carry a book on their own. And that's why I feel like we need more prequel stuff because I do like... Um, I because I, I should clarify, like as as an old gay, I would have loved to have so much more something like Lula when I was a baby gay. Because my my representation was Uranus and Neptune being cousins. Like that was my representation. So like Lula and Zine. Now I think Zine's a fascinating character. Zine's so complicated, so many layers, there's so much going on there. But I feel like Lula is just like, I wish I was better and I'm sad and now I have a girlfriend. Like, I'm like, there's, I just need more of you. And yeah, I think that's what I feel so bad because everybody loves Lula. <laughs> Everyone loves Lula and I feel like a bitch. <laughs> I like your, you don't have to like everybody. I know, but actually that's the thing. I like almost everybody in the higher public. I, to some degree, uh, there's really only like one character I just hate. And, but you hate him for very personal reasons. I hate him. <laughs> no, but like the thing about here's what I like about Lula, like her whole, her whole thing. Like I don't obviously identify on the, on the baby gay level, but where where I like Lula is as you know somebody who was in a gifted program as a kid, and then because of circumstance and location didn't continue through a gifted program and then sort of living with that perpetual imposter idea. And like, I was told I was really good at this, but there are obviously people at this who are like, who do what I do well, better than me. And they're younger than me. And like, they're, they're my age. And how are they exceeding? And like, maybe I'm not good enough. And like struggling with all of this all the time while also trying to perform at the top of your game, like is something I feel very deeply. Oh, I feel it too. So that's, that's why what I she's love like about Lula because I think she like Vernestra kind of embodies that, and I really like that about her. But I think Lula like lives it. 
Yeah, yeah. No, I'm, I'm, that's actually the things I like about Lula is I feel that a lot too. And that's why she's not one note, she's two note. Like there is stuff there that I really like about her, but I feel like they could be going... I, I feel like if we had like another like YA book with her, because I love Race to Crash Point Tower. Race to Crash Point Tower was the first time I was like, okay, I like Lula. I like this character. I finally see what they're going for with her because we have 120 whatever pages sitting with this character because it was finally getting the chance to deep dive with her, which I was not getting in the comics, which just felt very like I was in the shallow end, but Crash Point Tower was the deep end. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. And that's how I feel about like all these like comic characters. Like I need so much more scare. He's a precious baby boy. He's a sweet boy who wears hoodies and sad. <laughs> I love him. <laughs> Scared a hoodie is still like the most like personal image to me as a human being in my life. <laughs> like when he's just sitting in his little hoodie meditating in his room with candles. I was like, you're my baby. I love you. <laughs> I love him. It was so personal. But yeah, I, I think Fallen Star just made me like really think about the thing as a whole um and it's gonna be really interesting in the, like the six months what like the, from like you know october is when it comes back when everything ends like that yeah. four month hiatus i think we should really have a critical look at the at high republic thus far as a whole what's working what's not what and we need to have those conversations as fans because i think if we don't have those conversations as fans then what's gonna happen like you know we should i, I love I love it. It's not perfect, though. And I think we should talk about what's not perfect. I'm encouraged by them. Um, by them adding new authors. Because. Um, because I think that gives them more time. Because, like, five people only have so many hours in a day, especially when they have other commitments elsewhere. Um, I'm encouraged by the inclusion of four new people. So it's on nine people telling this story. I don't think it's going to get out of hand because we've seen how well this team works together. Yeah. So I feel like it will afford us more opportunity to like have these deeper dives in different, like the fact that Charles Soule is writing an entire comic run on Porter Angle. Like, I'm so excited about that. Oh my God. Which I don't it's think so I especially cared about Porter Angle, but I'll read it. You know I, I mean? I'm so excited about that. Oh my goodness. But yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I am excited about that too because I, I it hit me how fast they were writing stuff when in September for my birthday I commissioned a picture of Sign Comic and Daniel was like oh I was just writing something about them and I'm like was that Midnight Horizon that he banged out that fast fast between September to next month and you know a couple of you know February well I think I would is, imagine is, is the turnaround that then. fast I don't think he would I don't think it was on draft one. Yeah, it would have yeah. been edits by then. Yeah, I will say, um, you know, I, I used to manage a comic book store, so I am a, a familiar with how fast comics turn around. And they do do them a good chunk in advance. Um, so Yeah, like, I know. think, like, Kevin Just, Scott was writing 13 when we were all reading, like, one or something. Seven. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Like, it was yeah. quite a while. It was really like, early because month, so. the previews alone is, like, three months out. So yeah. comic scripts are a completely different beast than... But that's because they have manuscripts. To... Yeah. But I love this book as negative as I've been. And I do love this era. Like this era, what this era has done so much for progress, to for diversity, for like 
queer characters. Like, you know, there's, there's so much I do love about this. I am interested to see where we're going. Um, and I'm, I'm interested to see how things end. Like, I can't wait for Midnight Horizon um, for my babies. Um, but I, I'd also like to revisit this, you know, in that little time period, like go back through the books again. I think that'd be a lot of fun. But at the same time, I don't know. I think there's a lot more work to be done as well. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Maybe it's because I, I wasn't, I was never an EU person. So I never had, I, wasn't either. Like, I never had those like, wide spanning stories. So this is my first time really experiencing this. Um, and some of it is personal preference. There's just things I want to see out of this era. I want more downtime. I want more slice of life. I want more like more baking issues, please. <laughs> more baking issues. Like that was such, such a, like so much of what I wanted. Like there's a reason I wrote an entire article gushing about the baking issue because I felt like that, that single issue was so much of what the High Republic needed. Life Day Treasury is so much more of what the High Republic needed. It was just low stakes things of just characters existing. That's what I want more in the High Republic. It's just low stakes characters existing. You know, that's why I love the annual of like Loden and Bell just on this like little mission. Nothing's wrong. They're just existing. Give me more of that. All right, this is usually the part where I ask for final thoughts, but I think that sums it up pretty well. <laughs> Another day I will talk about you in a lot of depth, Leox, because you deserve an episode of your own. <laughs> Leox was so good in this book. I can't believe I talked more about flipping, flapping Elzar Man and Stellan Geos when this was the Vessel Cruise book. I'm going to go out on a controversial note and say I know everybody loves Geode. I think Geode is hysterical. I would yeet that rock into the sun myself to get Stellan Geos back. The thing is, he's such a good boy. He would yeet himself for you to make you happy. No, I would. I would want the satisfaction of doing it myself. No, and then never no. once tell Stellan because he'd be disappointed in me. I didn't even mention Affy. <laughs> she was so good in this book. I know. I, I don't want to make us go like another half hour, but like the vessel crew was so good in this book. Like Affy, Leox, and and Geode were just fantastic. Geode. Geode murdered a man. Geode, like, look, I love the idea of Geode just be like one minute he's there, one minute he's not. I think that's hysterical. But I'm I'm grieving right now, so I can't appreciate it as much as I probably will later. Well, I want to throw out an episode just about the Vessel Crew because I could talk an hour about them. Like, this was this really was their book. I know everybody, like Stellan and Elzar and all and Avar, all getting all the the attention and stuff like that but this was the vessel cruise book i would actually say this was just as much their book as it was stellan's that's fair i was so worried about stellan i will admit i kind of glossed over the vessel crew i'm like they're fine they're fine okay moving on because i was like so worried that the jedi no. were all gonna die because of the leveler i'm like are they all fine they're alive and then i would just i mean they were the hitting jedi. on themes of like themes that they've hidden like star wars rebels clone wars like they were they were the everyman like the the jedi would have failed even more, and more people would have died if not for Leox, Appy, and Geode. Oh, I'm not disagreeing. I'm just saying <laughs> I was I was definitely so worried about the leveler, which is so unbelievably terrifying. But I'm I like, thought I thought they were going to go hunting. Like I was waiting for Leox to be like, "All right, I'll go hunt the thing," I don't know. because Appy sensed it. She was just like, "What is that above our heads? What the hell? What the heck in hell is moving above us? Like she could feel it. I'm like, are they gonna go hunted? That'd be so fascinating. Also, did they free a drain gear on the planet when the ship crashed? 
I am waiting for like phase three to open with like tragedy on Irim because Drinker well, no, phase two won't because we're going 150 years back. Well, in the opening of phase three, I should say. There we go. Yes, it's every just time, like every time I lose a precious baby boy, we jump back a couple centuries. <laughs> <laughs> so a trend, but I am throwing out an offer of yes, I would like to talk about the vessel crew one day on a future episode because we did not talk about them enough in this, and I'm sad. That's my yep. final thoughts. All right. So on that note, then, Hope, can you tell our lovely listeners where they can find you? Uh, you can find me at Geeky Waffles. I am a writer over there. I scream about baking issues and and Kingdom Hearts problems and animation over there. Um, and I also have a podcast called J Guys and Jedi, which is me and my buddy Chris. And we just started The Mandalorian, um, which is interesting because it's our first time doing a show that is still running. We've never done a show that wasn't already completed. So it's a very interesting new time for Jagas and Jedi. Where can people find you, Arzu? So you can find me personally at Arzu Amin on Twitter. And that's where all the Space Waffles updates happen as well. Um, collectively as a network, we are on Twitter at geeky underscore waffle. We are the geeky waffle on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. And we are at thegeekywaffle.com, which is where you can find Hope and I writing about all kinds of stuff. We're not the only ones. We are two of a group of very talented contributors all at thegeekywaffle.com and we are also on Patreon patreon.com slash thegeekywaffle and that's where you can get access to things like our Discord server and Waffles After Dark so thank you all so much for listening, rest in peace Stellan Geos and may the waffles be with you